Hey folks, Dave here, and we're doing a calling question today. And the question is, what should a pastor do when helping a wife with an emotionally abusive husband? Well, first, I I think this is probably one of the more complex and complicated situations that a pastor is going to confront. Um, You think about it, and emotional abuse, that category, does not have the mandatory reporting requirements uh, that a physical or a sexual abuse does. So you don't have an immediate track that is there, that is before you. Um, Also, there are certain kinds of men that will, certain kinds of husbands that will deliberately not cross the line from verbal to physical abuse because they know that in doing so, their um, toxic behavior can become public. You know, I'm thinking specifically of church men, of guys who are informed on legal issues, of guys that may have been raised in a Judeo-Christian moral system and, uh, you know, they can fly beneath the radar of physical abuse and can kind of uh, adeptly manipulate the perception of the marriage, the perception of themselves. And so um, this is a complicated one for those reasons. Secondly, I think the category of emotional abuse is, is kind of a it's a porous phrase. Um, the, the strength of it is that it flags the severity of a certain kind of behavior. So, so wrath, um, manipulation, bullying, you know, those kinds of things are abusive. Um, but the weakness to that phrase, emotionally abusive, is that it becomes or has become just another buzzword that is readily used but difficult to define. So it's just a big bin now that that uh, anything that is not physical or sexual abuse ends up getting filed in. And the effect for believers is that sometimes it places the sufferer or the person that's being sinned against in kind of a an abstract worldview. In other words, a place they exist that is outside of the reach of Scripture or outside of the application of Scripture. So, you know, a a wife, for instance, with a husband who exhibits patterns of anger. I mean, that can be really frightening. And, uh, but, but my point is that Scripture still speaks to her in that role. Scripture speaks to her as a sufferer. Scripture speaks to her as somebody who's going to be tempted and so um, she's not necessarily in some unique category where she is exonerated due to the feelings that she's having or the feelings of abuse or the experience of that deeply sinful behavior. So, so Scripture does not, d- doesn't treat what's often termed emotional abuse. It doesn't treat that lightly at all. I mean, Paul tells the Galatians that those with fits of anger, quote-unquote, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's that's strong language. Um, But my experience with emotional abuse, and this has been corroborated by other people that that I respect and appreciate in terms of counseling, is that it's a term that just doesn't seem to adequately um, protect the agency of both of the parties. 
and it, it kind of fixes it for one, but, but not for the other. Um, another thought I, I think about this whole category of what should a pastor do when helping a wife with an emotionally abusive husband, and that is where there are patterns of wrath in a home, um, we have to recognize that biblical love does not enable these kind of evil relational systems to exist. In other words, true love, biblical love, does not submit to bullying or fits of wrath and anger, but actually acts to expose the evil of it. So um, will, when necessary, uh, involve family or involve friends or a pastor or the church or, if necessary, the authorities. Um, you know, the danger for a wife that's in that, in that environment is that the system is, it, it, it's a, like a fear-based system. And so those who are suffering in it and under it just don't speak. Or they come to the place where they, they live under a kind of delusion that somehow accommodating the behavior is actually serving the sinner. Accommodating the behavior is actually serving their, their spouse. Um, now, I mean, just, just to be clear here, where a woman is not in danger or under threat of danger, there, there does need to be seasons of patient prayer. There has to be a, an awareness that sometimes God calls us to suffer within marriage, to suffer uh, under the uh, undetected sins, uh, undetected by the other person, meaning by the other spouse, but undiscerned sins of the other person. But if there's no change and that spouse is begins to to drift, they begin to kind of go wayward, or they're abandoning their role as husband, as father, or you as a wife, uh, and and again, we're talking to pastors here, so you're saying to her, you know, you as a wife, your words have no weight in the relationship, and he is just redefining the rules of the relationship and the ground rules of the relationship, then the woman needs to start defining the relationship differently because no relationship thrives where one person is over-invested and sinfully, sinfully manipulated by another person in a growing way. It just doesn't, it does, it's, a, it's a toxic environment. And uh, the, the, you know, it, it's a total, like a power imbalance where you have one person in the relationship that's displaying a love, and this happens oftentimes with prodigal kids as well, where they're displaying a love that will do almost anything to preserve the relationship, almost anything to keep them at home, almost anything in the situation with the wife to preserve the marriage. And the other person, the other spouse, the husband, who may be you know, drifting is doing nothing but enjoying the wife's attention and work and investment. And there's actually little incentive for him to adjust his behavior because he's being accommodated all over the place. Well, that's an imbalance. Um, uh, you know, it's an imbalance of emotional investment. It's an imbalance of, of, of relational health. And ultimately, it's an imbalance that doesn't serve the husband. And so, 
what pastors have to do sometimes is to suggest an upset of the balance of power and helping to walk the wife through how she can begin to inform the husband that 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 she is going to tell other people in other words get a third party involved appeal to friends appeal to family appeal to the church and if necessary even inform him that separation is is on the table now i'm not talking about divorce i'm talking about separation but i think that that some women in a marriage that might be defined as emotionally abusive have to come to terms with the reality that a a determined rebellion does not respect fear you know a, a determined rebellion in a man does not respect the woman's neediness actually the determined rebellion will exploit that neediness and it can be really hard for christian wives to see that some forms of entrenched selfishness actually feed off of the kindness feed off of the mercy being extended to them feed off of the appeasement they discern the weakness they discern the fear and they they feed off of it it's, it's kind of like um you know what what churchill said around the second world war regarding the nazis the nazis and regarding you know appeasing them he he, he said an appeaser is one who feeds a crocodile hoping it will eat him last and and so you know the point is that when you're dealing with a crocodile you know the appetite of a crocodile is never satisfied and so you know there is a kind of love that names the danger and then takes the risk to reset the relationship under a whole new different set of rules even if it comes at risk to the relationship so it it calls for um well you know, in, in the book that Paul Gilbert and I wrote, it, it, it calls for a rugged love. A rugged love is defined as, as a love that is strong enough to face evil, is tenacious enough to do good, is courageous enough to enforce consequences, is sturdy enough to be patient, it's resilient enough to forgive, and it's trusting enough to pray boldly. And that's the kind of rugged love that believers need to have when it comes to marriage and particularly when it comes to spouses that are drifting from Jesus and drifting from their roles and drifting from the responsibilities that they've committed themselves to. I hope that's helpful. Mm-hmm.